Witness a new world in which nothing you fathom will be familiar. Just trying out a new recipe. Where fact and fiction collide, a new paradigm will emerge. Oh, I'm just so excited to get to use the KitchenAid for something savory, finally. One of the most thrilling scenes of all a modern marvel in storytelling. Gotta chop the cilantro really small for this. Witness readers, a mind-boggling sight, one that has never been witnessed on this or any other earth. Making a mother sauce in a double boiler. Can mankind truly come to grips with the new dimensions that have been wrought today? Had to buy white pepper for this one. We only had black and cayenne. What can possibly top today's scene of absolute madness? Oh, well, I thought we'd record the podcast after dinner. Want to talk about comics? Yeah, wait, 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 wait. That's, that's my line. <clears throat> after dinner, do you want to talk about comics? Yes. I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's on Infinite Earths. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Welcome, readers, to our second of two episodes covering Avengers vs. Defenders. <gasps> nope. <laughs> it's Avengers Defenders War. <laughs> you did this last time. No, I called it Defenders vs. Avengers. <laughs> I got them in the right order this time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I've literally been titling everything <laughs> Avengers vs. Defenders. I think the episode may be titled no! that. <laughs> I thought that's what it was. I think you made it that on the Google Calendar. Maybe, maybe. I'm pretty sure you did. Maybe. And the Google Calendar it's is God. Yeah. It goes like so here it goes. It goes like like the 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 Midgard Pantheon and, and their ilk. Yes. And then like the celestials, uh-huh. and then like the 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 uh, the high concepts like your eternity, etc. Uh huh. Oh. Th- then you're one above all. Yeah. And then the Google Calendar. Okay, so on the Google Calendar, you did Avengers slash Defenders. Yeah. So I forgot War. I'm sorry, but th- it is Avengers slash Defenders War. I thought it was verse because I thought they they were against each other, but now, <laughs> but now, dear readers, they're. They have discovered, discovered the plots. The slash. The slash. Now it's becoming slash fic. It is not, uh, actually. There's no romance. They've discovered it. <laughs> <laughs> they discovered romance? No, this is Marvel. <laughs> Look, 70s Marvel had plenty of romance. Yeah, I read Swamp Thing. That is That's 80s DC. <laughs> see? See? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I'll believe it when I read it. I'm gonna start just randomly <laughs> saying, "Yeah, I've read Swamp Thing." After like everything that is completely unrelated. Hey, that was the sexiest comic I could think of. It's it's pretty. It's pretty thirsty comic. I mean, the sexiest superhero comic. I could <laughs> you think almost of. said Marvel. <laughs> Swamp Thing, a Marvel character. Man Thing, also a Marvel character. <laughs> I'm doing the best at this. <laughs> You're doing great, Christy. 
I'm glad we're ending this podcast uh, soon with the knowledge that Swamp Thing is a Marvel character. <laughs> I feel like I started this podcast with a level of credibility that anybody who stuck with us this long has, <laughs> has since realized I do not have. It's 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 um it's it's a chart with two lines where one is going down as time goes on, one is going up. And one of them is the is your credibility and the other oh well, I'm sorry, no, this would be they both go down. It is oh. with your level of research, your 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 esteemed yeah, credibility. I stopped, you I stopped, stopped doing caring it. about yeah. research. But how freeing is that? It's fantastically freeing. Yeah. I like it reading comics so much better the, when I don't have to research them. Like you don't have to be you don't have to not comment during or about or anything. Uh-huh. You can just be a shimbo and have opinions. Yeah. I mean like the craft of a comic of of creating sequential stories is something that I can critique without without knowing all the the, the without frankly, knowing the... frankly very silly minutia. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that some people who like comics and who who want to write about them more just think they're wild than want to like talk about them in a craft sense. Mm-hmm. Like there are some articles that's, that are, that will be like, look what She Hulk did. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, people do read those uh, more, way more than they read my reviews. So, you know. <laughs> well, that's quite a hefty little intro. Yeah, we've gotten there. Anyway, this is the last Marvel that we're ever gonna do. <gasps> we're done. Oh my goodness! Yep, it's so good that I learned about Swamp Thing. <laughs> <laughs> Just in time for our final DC comic <laughs> next, which doesn't have Swamp Thing. <laughs> Uh, all right let's let's go before, we do it. before i make any more of a fool of myself let's go ahead and get into our summary avengers number 117 written by steve englehart penciled by william robert brown inked by mike esposito and frank mclaughlin colored by petra goldberg lettered by june braverman and gaspar saladino and edited by roy thomas Dormammu and Loki observe the tusslin, with Dormammu furious that the Avengers are interfering, but still oblivious that it's Loki's doing. Loki requests his eyesight back, and Dormammu replies that he can't, as this conflict is simply too distracting. Swordsman comes upon a German castle in the middle of Bolivia, likely built by some fleeing Nazi. Before he can even land, his Quinjet is attacked by the Valkyrie, who quickly beats a retreat. The swordsman arrives at the castle and tells its owner, a kind of strange man, that there's likely a burglar inside. The man allows swordsman to investigate, and he comes upon Valkyrie snooping in the treasure. They have a swashbuckling sword fight, which feels evenly matched until the castle's owner shoots swordsman. Apparently, the strange man didn't want anyone to know about his massive trove of Nazi treasure. Swordsman stabs the man in kind, but passes out from his wounds. Valkyrie salutes her fallen foe, calls the authorities, and leaves with the evil eye, but not before making sure Swordsman is going to get the care he needs. Defenders 4, Avengers 0. Captain America is being heckled by civilians in Japan, but out of nowhere Submariner arrives, having already found the evil eyepiece. Instead of simply leaving, though, he taunts Cap and they fight for a while. Then all of a sudden, Sunfire, Japan's national hero, arrives and grabs the evil eye. Cap and Namor scrap for a little while longer, but through their 
fight banter, some fishy details start to emerge, and Cap feels like the situation might not be as simple as he was led to believe. Namor flies up and smacks Sunfire, which causes the Japanese hero to drop the evil eye into the hands of Cap. Namor asks for the eye again, and Cap willingly gives it up. The two, realizing trust might win the day, fly off together. Defenders Issue 10, written by Steve Englehart, penciled by Sal Buscema, inked by Frank Bali, colored by Petra Goldberg, lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Tom Orzakowski, and edited by Roy Thomas. Are you all ready for the big fight feel that is Hulk vs. Thor? Anyway, in Los Angeles, Hulk finds the evil eye, having been guided by Doctor Strange. This is kind of a fun one. The evil eye is embedded in the sidewalk, so Hulk punches it out. Well, who arrives but Thor? Little is said before it's knockdown dragout brawl time. The two beat the living heck out of each other, causing mayhem in the city in their wake. The terrified citizens of L.A. look on in horror, but the two seem evenly matched and eventually lock in a very long grapple. The fight is stopped by the arrival of the Defenders and Avengers, who speak of a common foe to battle. Flashback to an hour prior. The Defenders wait at the Sanctum as they figure out how to reassemble the bits of the evil eye. Namor arrives with all the Avengers in tow. The Defenders momentarily freak out, but Namor explains that Loki told the Avengers that the eye was being assembled for evil. They chat for a while in a fun splash page, figuring out that they've been outfoxed by the villains. Then they suddenly remember that Hulk and Thor are still out there, and that's when they head to L.A. The fight ceases, but Hulk isn't super thrilled about it. He gives Doctor Strange the evil eye and states he's never going to help again. Doctor Strange prepares to reassemble the eye, and then... Osti, a spirit servant of Dormammu, swoops in to grab the eye. The spirit quickly disappears and stuff starts getting weird. People all around the city are turning into monsters and Dormammu's face appears in the sky. He explains that he's merging his dimension with the Earth and the Avengers slash Defenders stand ready to fight. Avengers 118, written by Steve Englehart, penciled by William Robert Brown, inked by Mike Esposito and Frank Giacoya, colored by George Russos, lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Tom Orzakowski, and edited by Roy Thomas. Pandemonium reigns on Earth as people turn into strange demons, with the heroes holding them off non-lethally. Strange declares that he has to head to the Dark Dimension and fight Dormammu, but Captain America is concerned that people will die on Earth as they fight the Evil One. Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. arrive on the scene, which allows the Avengers-slash-Defenders alliance to head to the Dark Dimension. Poor Nick, though. A bunch of his agents suddenly are turned into demons as well. In the Dark Dimension, the heroes fight their way through the monstrous Mindless Ones, as folks back on Earth and elsewhere hold off the demonic population. Dormammu, now drunk with power, imprisons Loki, having figured out the latter's plotting ways. Also, the Watcher shows up, which freaks out Dormammu, but Old Baldy promises not to interfere. The crew reaches Dormammu, but the evil being immediately knocks out the Defenders and imprisons the Avengers in Quicksand. Quicksand, always more terrifying in fiction than in reality. Thor, Iron Man, and Scarlet Witch manage to evade the quicksand. Scarlet Witch prepares to strike at Dormammu, but he catches her with rain that turns into glue over her body. Loki, seeing an opening, escapes his prison by turning into a fly and then struggles with Dormammu for the eye. This frees Wanda, who shoots a hex at the villains. This causes them to lose the evil eye, which simultaneously sucks in Dormammu and drives Loki insane. Oh, but it also makes him able to see again? You win some, you lose some. The teams part ways with the Avengers taking charge of Loki and the Defenders keeping the evil eye with the intent to still rescue the Black Knight. Oh, and Earth has changed back to normal, yada yada. Wait, we're not done yet? 
Defenders Issue 11, written by Steve Englehard, penciled by Sal Buscema, inked by Frank Bali, colored by George Russos, lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Tom Orzakowski, and edited by Roy Thomas. After the hubbub, the Defenders are back to trying to help the Black Knight. To do so, Doctor Strange sends his astral form to try and find poor Dane, but the Black Knight's spirit is nowhere to be found in Limbo. Doctor Strange returns to his body to explain when suddenly the whole group is transported back to the 12th century. Comics! They find the Black Knight rather quickly, but also find that it's Crusades time, and the Black Knight is being pursued by... a Muslim army. It gets comic booky pretty quickly, though, as the army is joined by a giant gnome called Tamax, who is immune to magic and even Hulk's strength. Doctor Strange teleports them all away, and it's explaining time. The Black Knight is in one of his ancestors' bodies. He was sent by Merlin, yes, that one, to fight Modred. No, not that one. Who has allied himself with the villainous Prince John to take the throne from the captive King Richard. Said Madred is also assisted by an Arabian sorcerer named Kondu. It's oddly complicated. Anyway, the whole crew tries to sneak into the castle where Richard is being held captive by the Islamic army. They are discovered rather quickly, but Silver Surfer still manages to get Richard free, and they attempt to escape. They are beset by three, count them three, giant gnomes, and our heroes are soundly defeated, except for Strange, Hulk, and Namor, who somehow got separated. They pounce upon the bad guys who are attempting to make even more gnomes. Namor discovers that the gnomes' weakness is water. He floods the entire castle using an oasis below the castle, and this disintegrates the gnomes. Things are starting to look worse, though, as Modred grabs the evil eye. But who returns to save the day but Prester John, a time-tossed knight and original protector of the evil eye? He grabs it, uses it to incapacitate the baddies, and tells the Black Knight he should stay in the past. Dane agrees and bids farewell to the Defenders, who are returned to their time by Prester John. Back in the present, the Defenders all go their own way, leaving Valkyrie and Strange in the Sanctum. The end. All right, Christy, what did you think of this wrap-up, this this back half? Uh, so I definitely felt like that last Defenders issue was... Felt kind of tacked on? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess the Black Knight needed some sort of wrap-up because he was who started this whole thing. It was... This, I couldn't have guessed that's where it would have gone. Right. This it was a, a real interesting epilogue. But looking at the first issue of Defenders and the villains that they faced there, I mean... yeah. That's because they were the ones that faced. No, it was the Avengers that faced the people underground. The Avengers faced the people underground, but the Defenders faced the Red Ghost and Atuma. Right. Yes. So this isn't like totally out of the realm of. No, it's interesting, though, right? Like that final issue of Avengers definitely to me makes it feel like like a modern day event mm-hmm. almost. And so it's interesting that it's it has that modern event feel, but it's still a 70s serial. Mm-hmm. So they decide that they have to kind of keep going with it. Right, right. It's like it's like you got a really short section of freeway here. We get a little entrance ramp and they also want to exit ramp you to keep you going on that comic. Right. So if you were reading Avengers and you picked up Defenders just to see what's happening with the story, And, you know, well, you're going to pick up that last issue of Defenders, and now you're maybe hooked into that story a little bit more, and you're going to continue on. I'm going to be honest. I kind of debated not covering that issue, because it's 
because it seems sort of superfluous, yeah. but it is it is considered part of the story, like in reading lists and stuff. Right, because you gotta you have to know what happens to the Black Knight, which is it, he just kind of hangs out. Mm-hmm. That obviously doesn't stay forever. You can read a Black Knight comic from like last year right. where he's in the present. I mean, I like that they did all this, and none of the things that they did actually saved him. Like they didn't need the evil. They eye. just found him. They it, used the evil. He yeah. just happened to get pulled into the past. He did. Um, the only thing that the evil eye was cool with was it gave Doctor Strange enough power to be able to fully project himself as opposed right. to just look. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, like, Prester John shows up and he's like, what's up? This is my evil eye. Thanks. Uh, I look like a goofball. <laughs> he looks like a total goofball. He has a goofy helmet. He just looks like a, he just looks like a goober. Also, why is he called Prester John? He is nothing like the the actual legend of prester john i brought this up drives me crazy i think stan lee just thought it sounded cool yeah or maybe not i don't know maybe kirby came up with it kirby was doing a lot of the plotting on fantastic four where he originally came from right even though we talked about that the little flashlight to me is very kirby like the the evil eye evil eye yeah looking like weird flashlight funnels they telescope. Other. They're like they're like uh they're like sure, they sure do. They're like those stacking Russian dolls. Sure. They just <laughs> uh, I like that he lays them all out, like, oh, this is slightly smaller than this. Like it they're just all in a line. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. Mm-hmm. Does it ever actually establish how they get the piece that Sunfire? Takes? Namor punches Sunfire and he drops it and oh, Cap grabs right. it, and then Namor's like, you want to fight more or can we talk? Like, give that to me. And Cap's like, I'm trusting you, Namor. That's right. That's right. Mm. It, that was strange to me that he showed up. That Sunfire showed up? Yeah. Uh, well, he is the national hero of Japan. Right. Mm. I mean, yes, that make that makes sense that the national hero of Japan is there. But, like, I mean, I guess it's just a bonus appearance in... If you're going to go to Osaka, Japan, which is a, a pretty decent-sized city from what I understand, mm-hmm. and you're going you're gonna to goof around, maybe Sunfire's going to show up. Maybe. It's interesting that they all they all really didn't like Cap either. They were like, no. <laughs> definitely hate you. <laughs> oh. The cat I like the cat Na- Cap Namor fight the best because they were like old pals. Mm-hmm. Like well, before Marvel was Marvel, there was Submariner Cap stuff. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of fun. How do you feel about I, I feel like we read a decent amount of events that happen in like 70s, 80s, maybe even early 90s, where you know, the demons come and everybody t- gets turned into, like, creepy demons. Like, why do demons take over and want to make everybody demons? Why don't they just, like, enslave humans? What's what's the advantage to, like, ooh, Well, maybe they make them now. into demons and then enslave the demons. I don't know. I mean, it's this and Inferno are the big ones, right? Just, like, the, the body transformation to me. But I'm thinking, like, even in, in media, I'm, I'm thinking about a film that I know you've not seen because we've discussed it. And it's a Halloween special that I watched as a child that was, like, kind of ter- every turn into monsters. <gasps> like, were the, but that was, Were the like, main characters kids who didn't turn into monsters? Uh, so there were kids who I think were maybe somewhat vo- voiced by adults, so it was kind of weird. But then the bad adults got a hold of an actual magic wand and were turning everybody into whatever their Halloween costume was. <gasps> so to me, like in my head, like body transformation, like against your will into something creepy is just very of that time for me. Is it? I feel I like it's persisted to some extent. I feel like that's always been creepy. That's like that's why vampires are scary. I mean, I guess, but I can't think of anything where 
in comics where people have turned into like creepy demonic the brood what no but like I mean, like, specifically the art style of everybody's just a random, like, misshapen demon. Yeah, in- it's like this in Inferno. E- okay, okay. Maybe maybe it really is just this. There might be more. R- readers, uh, tell us if you can think of more. I mean, I, I think you're right. It's I just like the, I just don't understand why you use the example of a movie. And then I was like, yeah, it's like I was just thing. thinking of, of that time period. Okay, when did the movie come out? It was, like, early 80s. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. We watched it bootleg VHS, like, videotape from the TV. Yeah. Do you know what it's called? Um, I remember the... I looked it up once to try and share it out to see if anybody else remembered it. And it was, like, maybe one other person. But the the song, they sang Halloween, witch magic, Halloween. (laughs) Halloween. That's wonderful. That was the song that played in the credits. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it's just that that is imprinted on my childhood. But, but also the phalanx. Yeah, that's in the uh-huh, 90s. Uh-huh. But that that's not the same style of, of creepy weird demons. Maybe demons are just yeah, like that in the Marvel Universe. Maybe. You're, I, I, you're going like really specific, I think. I don't know. I just... What other... Other than this with the misshapen stuff, what what else... What other story in, in Marvel or in comics are you thinking of where they get turned into weird goopy demons or whatever? No, I'm thinking of this and Inferno, and I'm just assuming there's other examples in there that I haven't read. I think there are. I just don't know if it if it's enough to call it a. Tr- but I'm I'm speaking specifically to why why do demons do this? Why do, why? Why do they why? turn people? Because it's scary. If your mom's suddenly a demon, that's scary. I guess that's true. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a tangent. I'm probably gonna try and cut some of that out. No, don't do it. It's weird. great. It's I, great. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Readers, tell me all about the. Demonic experiences where people turn into strange monocolored demons. <laughs> He's a green scaly person now. Yeah, there's a bit in here where there's like a woman who's like half woman, but then like her bottom half is becoming like oh, a lizard. We've read where people turn into the dinosaurs. Do people turn into dinosaurs or people were just dinosaurs? They were weird looking dinosaurs in you, the Excalibur issue. No, that was it. another universe where, where dinosaurs were just the, they, they were just humanoid. No one turned in. Well, no, no. The 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 people who came to that universe did turn into dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're always monocolored and kind of pastel. <laughs> I just, I guess, I never noticed this. <laughs> this hyper specific <laughs> motif is something I have not noticed. Pastel, Mono-color- monocolored, shapeless demons. <laughs> yes, that's it. Were the in the the movie you saw were they pastel colored? Yeah. Really? Yes. Interesting. Or like, not necessarily, but like muted tones. They were never bright, vibrant colors, and they were all monocolor. Interesting. This is like a purple mummy. Yeah. They were like purple or blue or orange. It wasn't, I was like, is it just easier to color this this way? I don't know. But yeah, pastel, monocolor, shapeless demons. (laughs) Things that live in my head. (laughs) Oh jeez! What's for the rest of this comic? What did you think of the of the swordsman Valkyrie thing? I do love that this man who apparently bought this castle, built a castle. I don't know. Was this man a Nazi? Did he just want the Nazi gold? A lot of lot is up in the air. He had like a laser pistol. Where did he get that? I don't know. That man was strange, and I preferred the monocolor. <laughs> 
We're not going back to the Monocolored <laughs> Demons. Also, Swordsman, Swordsman just feels like a chump in this entire event. And they try to, like, really put him over a little bit. He does murder a man who shot him. Okay, I'm just going to put it out there that swords are hard to make cool in comics. I don't even think that's true. Okay, I think the art here fails to make swords look cool. I do, yeah. It, it seems like it's very just, like, like, ver- like horizontal swingies. Mm-hmm. I, there is there is an art to making swords look cool in comics. It is most like there's mangas where swords look super cool. Right. One of my favorite mangas when I was a teen, everybody had swords that turned into cooler swords, mm-hmm. and that 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 looked dope. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, swordsmen just going like swish swish and swish swish. One of our one of our favorite web comics has lots of swords. Which favorite web comic? Blade Maidens. Yes, lots of swords. It's in the name. Uh huh. Well, not sword, but blade, and blade is. Presumably part of a sword. It could be part of other things. Not all. All swords are blades. Not all blades are swords. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There we go. There are other sharp implements. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I think you're right. Um, I think my favorite fight was the Namor cap fight. I think that was really fun. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. had some fun moments. You, you're telling me you didn't like the three hour long grapple between Thor and Hulk. I love the, the, the caption in the, there's a, there's a single page splash and the caption is basically like, Hey, we know you want to rip this page out and put it up on your wall. So maybe buy another comic. (laughs) The captions are great. There's one, there's the one where they're all talking and they're like, witness this. One of the most stirring moments in modern, in like modern Right? Was it modern fiction? Did they say modern superhero fiction? I'm pretty sure that page is in one of my accolades, so we'll, we'll, we'll discuss. It is so much. Like, Marvel loves, like, this was still the era where Marvel was like, I'm not saying Marvel is not always very putting itself over, uh-huh. but like, Roy Thomas was Stan Lee's, like, protege. So in the way that Stan Lee loved to, like, put, put the, the comics over... Mm-hmm. Roy Thomas still has these moments where he seems to like really put them over. Right. Like, look at the, look at this, the greatest page that's ever been. Or like, so and so's art was fantastic. And we didn't, we, it feels like we forgot to write him in the credits. So he specifically wrote a little note about how great his art is. So you use the phrase, uh, putting it over, which normally, like in wrestling, you talk about a big wrestler, you know, putting over a newcomer, an up and comer. So, <laughs> How do you put over your own comic? I don't know, but they did it. Like they, they, <laughs> they just talk about how great it is. It's so funny. <laughs> that sounds like literally a scene of of people talking in a one page splash is one of the most stirring scenes. <laughs> okay, they're selling it, but are you buying it? Oh, that that bit? No, I mean it's a great it's a great page, but I will I'll only think about it because of that because of the attempt. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else we want to get into before we dive into some Twitter questions? Uh, how do you feel about the Defenders as a whole? Uh, I like the concept of, but, hey, we work together when there's a reason to, but like we're not all rah-rah team all the time. There's gonna I think be that a, works. There's going to be mean, a new Defenders run coming out this summer. I, yeah. But I feel like that gets accomplished in other ways with other teams. Like, you think about the, the X-Men... There's times when they're a team and there's times when there's, you know, individuals. But I would say that the X-Men's deal is like they are basically like a found family unit. That's true. Where the Defenders are basically like, 
like you you have a weird emergency and mm-hmm. like you call ten people but only like three show up and it's like the weirdest crew. <laughs> like you need to like get your car out of a ditch and you dial your whole list and like like your uncle shows up and then like Todd from accounting class shows up. Like I think that's the defender's deal. Todd from accounting class. Class. Yeah. I, I've never taken an accounting and class. your and your uncle and your uncle. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I and like then it. like your piano teacher from fourth grade, and you're ready to you're ready to do this. How did you know I took piano in fourth grade? I, don't I think didn't. I've ever talked about that. Did you really? I did. Wow. I told my mom I thought I should stop because it was not a good investment of money because I didn't practice enough. <sighs> you were the oldest fourth grader. <laughs> pretty well but i don't think i'm i'm devoted enough to this i don't think i practice enough and i don't think we should pay for these lessons anymore was it a lady who came to your house no i went to her house oh was this before you had the piano no we had the piano oh okay she just she did lessons out of her house okay so i went to her house and took lessons and then i was supposed to come home and practice and i did like a little bit like i could always show up to the next lesson and she'd be like i could tell you've been practicing and you're like and i'm like can you can you? This is, this is like, I feel like this makes a lot of sense just based on like what I've learned about you from 11 years of marriage, <laughs> nearly 11 years of marriage, in that you are incredibly good at stuff and will put time into stuff that you care about, but it is so obvious to tell what you do not care about. <laughs> or I can get very excited about a thing and put a lot of time into it and then just get bored. That's also true. Mm-hmm. All right. With that, maybe we should get into Ackley. Twitter questions. Twitter questions. All right. Our first set of questions comes from at Asimov underscore fangirl. Question one. Which team of crossover was your favorite or did you like more? Defenders. Okay. I don't. I was kind of a fan of, of Valkyrie, you know. On the Defenders. So, yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Defenders it is. All right, question two. I know Loki altered the message, but shouldn't the Sorcerer Supreme have been more suspicious when his friend asks him for an artifact called the Evil Eye? Uh, I think Asimov fangirl has a point, and I also think that sometimes things just have very strange names in Marvel. You never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like, the only thing that can save me is this evil thing. Why would the Black Knight know more about how to navigate this or about sorceress objects than the sorcerer supreme who knows <laughs> who knows it does not make a lot of obvious sense there's a lot of misplaced trust in this <laughs> crossover our next question comes from at daniel p Grote. as an avenger the hulk is used as an overpowered tool of quasi-government directed destruction as a defender he w- just wants to be left alone and eat beans my question is what's your favorite kind of beans what are your favorite kind of beans, Christy? I think I like chili beans with a second place of black beans. Uh, I like a really good baked bean. Oh, like that's with barbecue. Fair. I think pinto beans, uh, I, I don't understand them. Mm-hmm. I don't think they taste like anything. Navy beans also taste like nothing to me. I like lentils. Lentils are good. Are they a bean? I don't know. They got to be in that family. A legume? Are they a legume? I think so. Okay. Yeah, they're great. Mm-hmm. Lentils are also very good, but I think I think chill like the chili beans are really. I think those are like a variety of kidney bean, but I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. And I love black beans. Love black beans. They're great. Mm-hmm. 
All right. And at Austin Gorton asks, would you each rather be an Avenger or Defender? At this stage in life, I think I would rather be a Defender because I don't know if I like having to commit to an organization long term. Mm -hmm. I feel like I would like to be an Avenger because I enjoy that commitment and unity. Mm -hmm. Those things are pretty important to me. So I think I would rather, like, I would put my trust in somebody who I'm signing on long term with, not like, well, Hulk's here because I don't know. Like, I, I feel mm. like the that commitment and unity of a team would foster trust that I need. I just always feel like the Avengers feel like coworkers. Hmm. And to me, the X-Men feel a little bit more like a family. Well, right. But X-Men is, is not a choice here. So. There's not. So I, I'm like, just saying, if I had to pick between X-Men and Defenders, I'd so, pick X-Men. I, like I like camaraderie, too, but I like something that... So, Avengers are co-workers, but Defenders are contractors. They are. <laughs> You're completely correct. <laughs> All right. And question two, if you could reverse one of the one-on-one -on -one outcomes, which would it be? I liked the Defenders winning a lot of them. I thought that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had to reverse one, uh, I think I'd have Vision take it over Silver Surfer. That's fair. Instead of Vision getting all distracted by Wanda. Yeah. I think that moment can still happen and Vision could still win. And I think that'd be fun. And that would still make him mad. Yeah. 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 I like it. Um, uh, I mean, this isn't really an outcome, but I, I feel like Wanda didn't actually get, she didn't get a matchup. She did she instead beat Dormammu. Yeah. yeah. So that was, Yeah. So I guess I am happy with that. Yeah. If that is her. <laughs> Dormammu should have won. Dormammu should have won. I'm just saying. No. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No. 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 Uh, I did like how Mantis outsmarted. Mantis still lost. Yeah. So Mantis should have won. Over Doctor Strange? Um. Yes. Okay. I just like the ladies. I'm sorry. <laughs> I am not sorry. You are not at all sorry. Readers, you should just know I'm always rooting for the ladies. Every lady everywhere. <laughs> They're always the underdog, so it's pretty easy to root for. <laughs> Sometimes. In comics? The Scroll Queen was not the underdog. Okay. In an Avengers comic? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. Are we ready to get on into our accolades? Yeah, accolades. All right, Christy, what is the best line in this here four-issue chink? Hulk understands none of this. <laughs> best line. That's related to my best line from last time, which is Hulk doesn't understand time. <laughs> I just like Hulk not knowing things. It's great. He's just always like, whatever. I don't, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> what about your best line? Mine was... Um, Namor yelling at Sunfire, why, you nationalistic moron. <laughs> <laughs> Which I want to yell to people sometimes. Uh, what about the greatest hero? Scarlet Witch for defeating Dormammu. Yeah, same. We got a daily double. Hit it, Matt D. Wilson. Yeah, so Scarlet Witch got taken out pretty easily in the Silver Surfer skirmish, uh, but... She almost died via lava and then defeated like an interdimensional threat. She's got a high highs and low lows. <laughs> sure does. Sure does. Scarlet Witch high highs, low lows. That is that is timely. I support women's rights. I also support women's wrongs. That's why I love you. <laughs> um, what about the coolest moment? 
I thought the coolest moment was the bit where Scarlet Witch's hex hits and there's like the big explosion and it like shoots Loki in the face and Dormammu gets all like swirled up. Yeah, this one? Well, like right after this, but okay. yeah. yeah. I gave mine to the only Avengers Assemble moment. Yeah. Do you think that it's weird that they say Avengers Assemble when they when they rush into battle when they are very clearly already assembled? No, it's like a cheer. <laughs> It's, it's a chant. Sense. It's a team chant. It's like how, like, if we, if so, if we had like our castle, we would yell the name of our castle as we ran into battle. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have a castle. Mm-hmm. No. You know, you you have your team huddle, and you 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 do your chant, and then you go take on Dormammu. I just always think that Avengers Assemble would make more sense as a rallying cry rather than necessarily like a a charge, but it's okay. Okay, I can I can see that, but <laughs> but. It's not an alliteration because it's vowels. What is it called when it's vowels? Uh, I don't remember, but I know what you mean. <sighs> Man, that's okay. Yeah, alliteration has to be consonants. It I know does. That. Does what people still people will still use alliteration to mean? But that's wrong. It's wrong. But I think at this oh. point, it's entered the common lexicon. <sighs> Miss Delcourt would not be happy with me. Well, that's okay. Okay. <laughs> Crusher Creel Award for Silly Villainy. The Crusher Creel Award for Silly Villainy is when Dormammu says, no, I can't fix your eyesight. I am simply too distracting. <laughs> <laughs> like, Loki should have figured it out at that point. That's that's very silly. Like, what, is it supposed to take a long period of time? I, um, my, I, I agree. The, a lot of the things between Dormammu and Loki are pretty silly. I specifically gave mine uh, to, um, Loki for taking so long to realize that he could shapeshift. He's like, right, I can become a bug. <laughs> I should have done this a long time ago. <laughs> right? I'm like, oh, okay. Imagine having so many powers that you forget some of them. I feel like if, if I was Superman, I'd forget. I'd forget I can blow ice or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, of course. That makes sense. Although maybe not. Because, like, you don't have to keep track of invulnerability. You just are invulnerable. Mm-hmm. Fair. I don't know. Would it be hard to be Superman? I I think if it's your power, it's like you you say what well, you would say like, man, sometimes I just forget I can punch. My arms can do so many things. That's true. So next up, we have our key of C accolade. And I, I mentioned that I was going to talk about that page where they're all just standing around. And it's one of the most stirring sights in modern heroic fiction. <laughs> heroic fiction. Okay. That's what they said. Um. And I just felt like one of the most stirring sights in modern heroic fiction deserved a musical number. So I gave it the key of C. So the moment most enhanced or the moment moment, in the comic. Yeah. Moment that would be most enhanced by a musical number. Yeah. And that would be very stirring Mm -hmm. as a musical number. What about you? Uh, I thought the Valkyrie and Swordsman chase bit would be fun. Oh, yeah. I tend to think of these, though, as musical numbers. I also tend to the 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 technical person of me the technical portion of me likes thinking about how it would look on a stage and oh, i'm yeah. imagining some real scooby-doo-ish stuff a fun scaffolding and yeah. doors and yeah so even though like I, I, I sometimes i like half envision the music and sometimes i like half envision the the action yes and that makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. um if we're talking about how i envision the music i imagined lots of uh fast conversation with maybe a really like nice strong bridge from dr strange i like it i like like, it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Uh, ships that we will go down with. Down with the ship, uh, Thor Platonic Hulk. or romantic. I like the Thor Hulk one. Thor and Hulk. And so, I like the, the rivalry. Okay. So are we talking like romance here, blossoming I, in their grapple? Maybe. Maybe. They're holding hands for a very long time. <laughs> they sure are. Longer than you and I have ever Wrestling had. Wrestling is not straight. No. <laughs> as as we have no, as we know through watching wrestling, fighting is actually weirdly romantic. At times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I uh, am shipping Richard the Lionheart and the Black Knight. I okay. I get that. I get it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Ship that. All right, and then last but not least, we have the goodest hit. All right. Yes, the goodest hit. My goodest hit has to be Thor and Hulk's big kapow just before they get into their grapple. That is very good. Um, I think that whole bit was kind of fun. Uh, I mean, it was, it was quick to summarize, but it was like visually very cool. Yeah. Mine is when Namor tries to jump in the water and Cap throws his shield and <gasps> Namor thunks on top of the shield instead of going in the water. That is a really cool moment. I thought that was great. The Cap just kind of catches it, like Cap like skips it along the water or uh-huh. whatever. Like he's a kid throwing rocks in at like a creek, but he catches Namor, and Namor looks like a goof. It's great. He does like a oof kind of <laughs> bonk. Fantastic. Love it when a man in uh, trunks looks like a fool. <laughs> I it's weird. I can both ag- agree that Namor is haughty and deserves it, and like when he is haughty, it's great. And also <laughs> when he gets like a minor come up comeuppance, it's great. But it. It does not diminish from his haughtiness overall. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's rare in a character. That someone can be like briefly made a fool of and still like maintain their air of dignity. Uh, yeah. Well, he has, he is dignified even when things happen to him that are foolish. Yes. He's like a cat. Although N- cats still cats look are, silly. Yeah. yeah all they, the time. They look very all silly. All the time. <laughs> if they didn't roll over on their tummies and look at you like upside down, maybe they'd look a little less silly, but pretty silly i've watched a cat roll in dirt so like they only have so right so much dignity right. well thank you readers for making it through this episode with us we have just how many more episodes three three episodes remaining one more crossover we are going to be covering this is no one's request but mine final crisis the final crisis the final chrises mm-hmm. it's coming to you it is. But if in the meantime you want to find us online, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Chris's Pod. You can send us those long form messages at Chris's on Infinite Earths at gmail.com. You can get new episodes every two weeks for the next few weeks <laughs> over at Comics XF. Um, if you still want to financially support us in any way, we have a Kofi and a Patreon in the show notes. We do not have particularly um good benefits right now since we have gone down to the one dollar level we will still shout you out if you are a new subscriber we'll do it mm-hmm. we will don't you think we won't don't you think we won't it's a threat yep it's not a threat it's a promise it's a promise both <laughs> and until next time readers slay your enemies and all you desire shall be yours